I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted 2.0. I love my job. I love studying. I love reading this research that goes into today's show about, yes, weightlifting belts everywhere, right? All over social media, in the gyms, in large part, thanks to... CrossFit. I mean, let's call it what it is, right? CrossFit really became popular years ago, and CrossFelt, CrossFelt, (laughs) CrossFit, leaving that in, CrossFit, (laughs) what I was trying to say is belts. CrossFit brought out a lot of barbells, right? A lot of Olympic lifting and a lot of belts as a result. So this is a topic that Gosh, I remember, like, working on, obviously, decades ago, uh, and it's coming up today for those reasons and more. And I'm actually working on a contribution to, this really surprised me, actually, Self Magazine, doing a story on, should you, uh, should you wear a weight belt? Like, why, and what's the, you know, um, what are the reasons and things like that, okay? So... That surprised me because it's Self Magazine. And Self was one of the first magazines that I started um, working with decades ago. Decades ago, back when I was in New York City, starting my career and starting to work with the magazines. And I would go on fitness shoots. They were the first one, I believe, uh, where you know certain magazines that were better than others would pay someone who knew what they were doing to make sure that the models were doing the exercises with correct form, which is awesome. And Self was one of those. Now... I'm surprised and really happy that self and knowing the demographic, at least what it used to be, it's obviously changed, right? And this is this is a great thing in my opinion and experience that women are lifting more, right? The fear of bulk that has been so pervasive for so long and has keep has kept so many women from achieving their best bodies and, and their best state of health. Um, you know, it's 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 going away slowly but surely. It's still around. It will always be around. There will always be those people pushing those myths um, to make money off it. But it's a good thing. So yeah, self.com story. And I said, you know what? Let's let's do a podcast on this. I haven't done this yet. And at first, I was going to do a fit tip. And then, as I was looking at the research, I said, you know what? This is this is so great on so many levels because I'm going to read you four studies. Not going super deep into them at all. Don't have to, right? And you're going to see like where they extrapolate out from. And, and you're going to go, how, how do they come to those conclusions based on those studies? And these four studies are totally different, each and every one, on what they looked at and what they found. But this is one of the reasons this show is so <laughs> important to you because I'm looking at it and I'm giving you the science and then breaking it down, right? We got to look at evolution. We have to look at the empirical evidence, the studies, and then we have to look at the real world and we have to take common sense and and make sense of it all. But yeah, you know, more and more people are doing these Olympic lifts and, you know, two of the most popular, I mean, it depends who you are and what what your goals are, obviously, but, you know, we're talking squats and deadlifts. Most of these studies looked at that, squats and deadlifts, you know, there's clean and jerk and many other uh, Olympic style lifts we could talk about, but these studies looked at, by and large, the ones that even looked at exercises, not all of them did, okay? Um, And the question is, right, 
pretty much twofold. Like, A, obviously does it prevent injury, and then B, does it improve performance? And those are two totally separate issues, right? And I don't want to go real deep into the why uh, of the weight belts, as crazy as that may sound for a topic like this, but it's it's about intra-abdominal pressure. That comes up all the time in the discussion of um, whether you should or should not wear a weight belt. And intra-abdominal pressure, as one of these studies um, specifies specifically, uh, it's been widely hypothesized to reduce potentially injurious compressive forces on your spinal discs during lifting. It's going to hopefully, potentially, <laughs> kind of, according to the science, maybe prevent injury to your lower back. And I've said this for decades. One of the most challenging things we can do to our body, there are many, but when it comes to lifting weights or lifting something heavy, is loading our spine in flexion, bending over and picking something up. And the farther you know away from our bodies that weight is and the heavier they are, those weights are, or that weight is, the more challenging. You know, now we're talking levers and things like that, really fun biomechanics, but deadlifts, challenging. I talked about that in a prior podcast. You know, super high cost potentially, super high risk. That's just the science. Doesn't mean you can't do them. Just know the risks and do it with proper form. Getting ahead of myself, right? And progress accordingly and appropriately and intelligently, right? But they're talking about intra-abdominal pressure. Basically, you know, you take a breath into your abdominal region, not your chest. You hold it. You create this pressure that, again, could potentially um, protect the lower back, the spinal um, discs, and help with performance. And the belt is connected to that. Pretty much as deep as we need to go here, because I want to get to the the studies, and I want to, you know, show you how crazy, you know, the extrapolation out of these studies often is. Okay, so let's just jump right into it. Four studies. First one, uh, this is from Journal of American Medical Association 2000. So many of these studies are older. One is recent. There's not a lot of research, not a lot of good research into this topic, as crazy as that sounds, right? Uh, but it also makes sense. What do you think about it, right? You know, when it comes to injury, there's there's the concept of the lower back, right? In that it's like, a paperclip or a credit card, something plastic, right? You bend it, you bend it, you bend it hundreds of times before it fails. Not to say that the uh, social media world is not filled with people failing immediately. And those are so frightening, by the way. And and <laughs> I've fallen down that rabbit hole of watching horrible squats and deadlifts and things like that. Although I, I oftentimes when I see that crazy injury cover coming I will cover this I can't I don't want that image in my head but I also want to learn unfortunately and see what people are doing and so I get pushed these videos all the time now and it's frightening and that's another question right are people doing it more because of social media and I think the answer is absolutely yes right everyone's filming themselves everyone's going super heavy not everyone many and I think back to when we were lifting. Did we lift heavy? Sure. 
I don't think uh, I know. Not not in this way. At least that's my world. That's my experiment of one. All right. Again, so uh, Journal of American uh, Medical Association, 2000, December. And the title is A Prospective Study of Back Belts for Prevention of Back Pain and Injury. And I'm just going to read from these uh, abstracts for the most part uh, to give you the overview. That's all you need. The objective was to evaluate the effectiveness of using back belts in reducing back injury claims and low back pain. Reducing back injury claims. That, that's a problem right there. Okay, here's what they looked at. Now, I'm not saying this isn't, this doesn't have some value, but you'll see. All right, the design and setting of this study was a prospective cohort study from April 1996 through April 1998, basically when I decided doing this as a, as a living, it's exactly when, uh, we identified material handling employees in 160 new retail merchandise stores. 89 required back belt use, 71 had voluntary back belt use. So 89 had to use one, 71, um, yeah, did it on their own. In 30 states, uh, from New Hampshire to Michigan in the north and from Florida to Texas in the south, data collection ended uh, December 1998. Median follow-up was six months. Okay, so they're looking at people who basically like, you know, stock shelves. In today's world, it would be like, you know, Amazon delivery drivers, okay? Material handling employees. You already see the problem, right? Uh, a lot of participants, the participants, a referred sample of 13,873 material handling employees provided 9,377 baseline interviews and 6,311 follow-up interviews, 206 refused baseline interview. What were the main outcome measures? The incidence rate of material handling back injury workers compensation claims and six months in, uh, incident rate of self-reported back pain, back injury compensation claims. Do you think that might be problematic? Yeah. And these are people that are wearing the belt all day. Who knows how they're wearing it? Who knows? <laughs> you know, we could get into it. I'm not going to get into it. By the way, I'll do many more um, podcasts on this topic and touch on it. Uh, I always want to give you everything at once, but I, <laughs> we, we can't. Um, but, you know, there are times you need to take a belt off if you're working out in the gym, right? So, again, this is, this is where they're extrapolating out the advice on whether or not you can or cannot or should or should not wear a back belt when you're lifting heavy one rep max. They're looking at things like this. Again, not without merit and some worth, but I, I need you to know. Uh, what these studies say, okay? Uh, and, and again, this is back injuries, compensation claims. Hey, I want some money because my back hurts. <laughs> and they looked up six months. Follow-up, not horrible. Not horrible, but not amazing either, okay? The results, neither frequent back belt use nor a belt requirement store policy was significantly associated with back injury claim rates or self-reported back pain. So not any great findings, I would argue, right? Neither frequent use nor the store policy was associated with back injury claim rates or self-reported back pain. So didn't really do anything. Didn't have an effect in this study, 
do you extrapolate that out to one rep max deadlifts, one rep max, you know, squats or multiple reps? The jury's out. <laughs> Where is it? Uh, conclusions in the largest prospective cohort study of back belt use. Okay, if you only read that line and you think it's like, you know, people using back belts and weightlifting belts in the gym setting, obviously problematic. Uh, adjusted for multiple individual risk factors, neither frequent back belt use nor a store policy. The required belt use was associated. Well, we already read that, right? So didn't do anything, <laughs> right? So you go, okay, then, then I shouldn't use one. But wait, there's more. Mm, second study. This is a research article, observational study. Uh, now we're getting into at least some specifics. This was in, so this is the recent one. Thank goodness. There's not a lot. Uh, medicine uh, is the um, journal, the research article in medicine, February 2022. Super recent. Okay. The influence of weightlifting belts and wrist straps on deadlift kinematics, time to complete a deadlift and rating of perceived exertion in male recreational weightlifters, an observational study. Okay. So they just gave you the three things they were looking at. Not really talking about injury, back pain, you know, problems. They're looking at the deadlift kinematics, basically how they lifted and, and what they were looking for. I'll get to that more on that in a second. How fast they did it, time to complete a deadlift. And then the rating of perceived exertion, how hard they felt it was. Okay, again, these are the studies that are extrapolating out or being extrapolated out to should you or should you not wear a weightlifting belt. Okay, so let's get to uh, this study used. Uh, you don't need that. Following a warm-up, participants underwent weightlifting assessments with or without using a belt and or wrist strap. So that's great. So they were assessed, right? They did a warm-up and then they were assessed, right? Um, and there's four conditions. One, they wore a belt and straps. So weightlifting belt and wrist straps. Uh, for those of you who don't know, wrist straps that go around your wrist and then you wrap them around the bar. Um, so you got two things going on here. Uh, second condition, just the belt, third condition, just the straps and the fourth condition, nothing, you know, just no belt, no straps, lifting, uh, a conventional deadlift with a loaded barbell. So here are the measurements. Measurements included hip and knee flexion angles in the starting position of a conventional deadlift and cervical lordosis, thoracic kyphosis, kyphosis and lumbar lordosis angles in the finishing position. So again, that's the kinematics. They're looking at these angles and they're gonna make um, assessments claims from there, okay? In addition to the total time taken uh, to complete a conventional deadlift and self-reported um, perceived exertion, okay? So looking at the angles, that how their backs are basically rounded or not rounded, um, how fast they did it, and how hard they felt it was. The order of testing conditions was randomized and all tests were performed within one day, okay? So from January to April, 2021, a sample of weightlifters were recruited from two local gyms uh, and the Education University of Hong Kong. The inclusion criteria were men aged 18 to 30 years who have more than three years of weightlifting experience, have been training at least four hours per week and engage in recreational weightlifting. So then the question becomes, first of all, they're, they're super young, right? Not that that matters, but it does. 18 to 30, no women right? Just men, which are so many of these studies. Uh, that's a, another great topic for another day. But 18 to 30, 
Sounds to me, again, just because you're lifting for a couple years doesn't mean you're um, advanced uh, or even intermediate, but they have a lot of, you know, four hours a week uh, for three years. That's that's a long time if that's truly what they were doing. Um, so that, that's something, right? Because what, what about the beginner? So now we got to look at that, okay? Uh, the discussion, real simple, sports performance, deadlift, kinematics, and history of back injury were not determined in this study, <laughs> right? You go, okay, no sports performance, like, you know, deadlift, kinematics, and history of back injury were not determined in this study, right? Finally, is the st- so they're talking about limitations, actually. Um, yeah, male only, I talked about that. Um, despite these limitations, our results suggest that wearing both a belt and wrist straps can promote a deeper squat during the setup phase and as a result might reduce the risk of lower back injuries. Okay, so what they're saying here is you heard can and might, right? So they're looking at the squat positioning of the deadlift during the setup phase. And it's deeper, they're saying, when you have a belt and wrist straps on and that might reduce lower back injuries. Might. Using both a belt and straps also reduces the time taken to complete a deadlift, so it's faster, right? And reduces overall RPE, ratings of perceived exertion. So what you extrapolate from that is if you are competing, perceived exertion, it felt easier, right? So that's a good thing. There's the psychology. You could just go off on a tangent for an hour on that. But so much of this is the mind. So much of everything we talk about here. That's why I did my master's with sports psychology and exercise science. But that's important. That's a, that's a great takeaway. It feels easier. Whether or not it is easier, doesn't matter. It feels easier, so you're probably going to lift more, okay? Um, however, using straps alone may exaggerate thoracic kyphosis during lockout Coaches and trainers should thus recommend recreational weightlifters to use both a belt and straps together, but not straps alone when performing deadlift training. Okay, so here they're calling them recreational weightlifters. I mean, if you're lifting for three years, four hours a week, you're not a professional and you're not competing maybe, but I would say they're more than just recreational. Uh, We could debate that, but that's important to me. Uh, Finally, the conclusion, wearing both, we're just going to repeat what they said here, wearing both a weightlifting belt and wrist straps reduce knee flexion, but not hip flexion during the setup phase of deadlifts in male recreational weightlifters. Uh, No significant changes were seen in terms of cervical and lumbar uh, lordosis with the use of belt and or straps. Okay, so they're talking about the time again, uh, that less time was taken to complete a deadlift when using a belt and or straps. Thus, using a weightlifting belt and Rick's straps is recommended for recreational weightlifters to improve kinematics, shorten the time taken to perform a deadlift, and perceive exertion. Oh, there you go again. Okay, so these are the studies. Should you or should you not wear a weight belt? We're talking one lift. We're talking might. We're talking looking at angles. All of this is important. All of this is data, but, but it's by no means, in my opinion, and others, you know, definitive like should you wear a weight belt to help protect your lower back we're not there yet they didn't even look at it here okay let's keep going number three injuries and overuse syndromes in powerlifting that sounds better 
International Journal of Sports Medicine, 2011. Still a little bit old, but so what? Just because it's old doesn't mean it's good. Um, what's the abstract? Here we go. Powerlifting is a discipline of competitive weightlifting. So this is great. And this is what I, why I love these four studies. So we had what they called recreational weightlifters. We had people who worked in, you know, stores, loading boxes, whatever they were doing. And now we've got competitive weightlifters. Awesome. So now we're looking at three kind of totally, not kind of, completely different samples, right? Uh, to date, no investigations have focused on pain encountered during routine training. The aim of this study was to identify such pain, assign it to particular exercises, and assess the data regarding injuries, as well as the influence of intrinsic and extrinsic factors. That sounds good. Now we're on to something. Data of 245 competitive and elite powerlifters was collected by questionnaire. That's a problem. We have a questionnaire, but we have to use that, right? Okay, so it's not an observational study. They're not looking. They're, they're asking. And, and truthfully, when it comes to injury history, you kind of have to do this, right? So there's something to this. Um, information regarding current workout routines and retrospective injury data was collected. Uh, retrospective is obviously a problem people forget, right? But still use this. Study subjects were selected from 97 incorporated powerlifting clubs. A percentage of 43.3% of powerlifters complained of problems during routine workouts. Most commonly injured body regions were the shoulder, lower back, and the knee. <laughs> Those three places, by the way, in my book, The Micro Workout Plan, I have three, I call them RX workouts, prescriptin, you know, rehab, prehab. And you know what three body parts they are? The shoulder, <laughs> the lower back, uh, and the knees, right? Because that's what matters. Those are the joints that have so many issues. Obviously, now we go to extremes, right? Competitive weightlifting. Uh, the use of weight belts increased the injury rate of the lumbar spine. Rate, that's right there. Use of weight belts increased the injury rate of the lumbar spine. Now we're looking at a questionnaire. God, this is where I want like five hours. <laughs> Did it increase the injury rate? Or were people that were wearing weight belts lifting more? These are competitive weightlifters. These are people who are, they know the risks for the most part and they're going for it. And what they're saying is the use of weight belts increased the injury rate of the lumbar spine based on questionnaires and retrospective uh, injury data. But maybe, uh, it, 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 there's so many ways to go with this, but just one simple obvious direction is maybe the people wearing the belts, A, were more competitive, lifting more, so we don't know the numbers. We don't know percentage of one rep max. We don't know what they're doing. But use of weight belt, so you, you could pull that out. And that's often what they do in the media. They'll just pull that one thing out. Use of weight belts increases injury rate. I've done a couple shows on that. New York Times, shockingly, with the knees and in the other direction that strength training does not help protect. Don't get me, don't get me started. All right, let's keep going. Uh, rate of injury to the upper extremities was significantly increased based on age, greater than 40 years, and female gender. I love that they included women here. But it was sad to see that according to this study, uh, age and sex made a difference. The daily workout of a large proportion of powerlifters is affected by disorders which do not require an interruption of training. This is the whole debate I have about what is an injury? 
What is an injury? It's something that essentially, in my definition, that keeps you from doing what you want to do for an extended period of time. These people are tough people. Most of the power lifters, competitive power lifters and weightlifters I know are some of the toughest, angriest, you know, can deal with pain. Unlike very specific, <laughs> they have a very specific set of not skills. Well, yes, skills, but also just a pain threshold. And they're going to lift through it. So that's a problem. But now we're looking at such three great diverse groups. We got the workers wearing belts. We got the recreational, you know, 18 to 30 year old men wearing belts and using straps. And now we have power lifters. But just, are you confused? You should be, <laughs> right? Right? The injury rate is low compared to other sports. That's how they finished up. Okay. So now we have, the first study basically said doesn't really matter. Second study, a little confusing, you know, didn't really look at the <laughs> the injuries and, you know, could you squat more? They don't look at performance. They're looking at angles and making, you know, projections based on that. It might be, be might be better because of these angles, right? And they lifted faster and the perceived exertion. So now you're seeing this is this is actually what's in these studies. Okay, final one. And this was sent to me. I what social media sometimes is good. <laughs> and I have some really good uh, people I go back and forth with on Twitter, PhD level. And this was one. And I actually tweeted out that I was working on this article with the Self Magazine writer on weight belts. And he shared this final study. And he's, uh, I believe he's a professor, just recently connected with him. But watch a couple of his presentations. Amazing. Super smart PhD um, and this, this study is from 1989. That's not to say, you know, it's not worthwhile, but we need more studies. We need some, some good studies. There's they're just, well, there, here you go, right? 1989, April, Medicine and Science in Sports and Exercises. The journal titled The Study Effects of a Belt on Intra-Abdominal Pressure During Weightlifting. All right, so this is bringing it all home. This is why I saved this one till the end. Started talking about that. Intra-abdominal pressure, creating this pressure in your core, essentially, with breathing and bracing and then a belt that might be protective and might improve performance. Those are the two mites. So what does this study say? And what is this study about? Here's the paragraph, uh, one of the paragraphs from the abstract, and then we're done. Intra-abdominal pressure has been widely, this is exactly what I read at the beginning, widely hypothesized to reduce potentially injurious compressive forces on spinal discs during lifting. So supposedly creating this pressure is good. It's going to protect your lower back. That's important. To investigate the effects of a standard lifting belt on intra-abdominal pressure and lifting mechanics, intra-abdominal pressure and vertical ground reaction force. Okay, that's the first time we're looking at that vertical ground reaction force were monitored by computer using a catheter transducer and force platform while nine subjects, nine, not huge people, not, not uncommon, but you know, nine age 28 plus or minus six years, right? So you get nine people, basically 22, roughly to, you know, 34, uh, does it say, man, I don't even, uh, it doesn't say. Um, and they deadlifted. Again, deadlifted a barbell both with and without a lifting belt at 90% of maximum. Okay, now we're talking, right? Now we're talking. 
All right, nine people, 90% of their maximum, and they're deadlifting. But what are we looking at? Intra-abdominal pressure and ground reaction force rose sharply from the time force was first exerted on the bar until shortly after it left the floor. Okay, so they're looking at that. They're measuring that. Internal, um, intra-abdominal pressure. That's what's most important here. Um, uh, where am I? Plateaued. Uh, intra-abdominal pressure rose significantly earlier with than without the belt. So that's potentially good. Intra-abdominal pressure rose significantly earlier than without the belt. So if it's protective and it's starting earlier, that's probably a good thing, right? Okay. Um, when the belt was worn, intra-abdominal pressure rose significantly uh, earlier than did ground reaction forces. Both with and without the belt, intra-abdominal pressure ended its initial surge significantly earlier than did... Okay, so they're comparing ground reaction forces here. You don't really need to know that. Uh, ba 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 Here's the final. This is all you need to know. Results suggest that the use of a lifting belt increases intra-abdominal pressure, which may reduce the discompressive force and improve lifting safety. So we looked at four studies. And on the fourth one with nine people, around 30 years old, it might help because first time we see that it does increase, suggests that it increases intra-abdominal pressure which may reduce discompressive forces and improve lifting safety. But we're not looking at people, right, who actually have used a belt and whether or not they've gotten hurt. We kind of have, actually, in different ways, but not in the settings, right? We want to take the best parts of this, right? I look for that study. And they're hard to do. We're talking time. We're talking people who know how to do this. It's money. But I love this because this is what this show's about in addition to the interviews and me just ranting and raving sometimes. These are the three different shows you're going to get from me. I get bored and I love these three buckets. Interviews with the best of the best, me ranting and raving about something, and then looking at the studies. But this is why we can't just look at the studies. This is why, you know, let's be honest, they talk about the, you know, the professors, the ones who are, in the ivory towers talking about fitness and, and running studies on certain sports and things in a laboratory setting. Can you extrapolate a lot of that out to the real world? Not always, not often, depends. It depends what I say here so frequently, right? But this, this is like, what's the answer, <laughs> right? Should you or should you not wear a belt, a weightlifting belt? Well, it looks like, yes, you should. Even though that one study said, right? Let me read it again, verbatim. With the competitive weightlifters, the use of weight belts increased the injury rate of the lumbar spine. You go, well, then why are you saying it? Because I, I, I don't think it was because they wore the belt. I don't think it was. Now, we need more data. And, and one thing I always look at and say to you is if it doesn't hurt you, so you've got, you've got, what did we talk about earlier? Ratings of perceived exertion. You've got the placebo effect essentially to some degree here, which is scary because you're lifting heavy weight. So there's a lot of problems here. By the way, this is one reason I don't deadlift or squat heavy. I do other things to get strong, not yucking your yum. If you love those two things, and many of you do, 
do it with great form, progress intelligently, and don't get hurt. And I wish I could give you a more definitive answer on whether you should or should not use a weight belt. My gut is telling me from reading all of these studies and many more, by the way, that I've read over the years and just didn't include in here, looks like the answer is yes. Of course, it looks like it helps, as this final study said, increase that intra-abdominal pressure, which is potentially protective. That's a good thing. But I'm always going to give you that real world side of it is like, know the risks. Listen, even when I was competing, you know, at a high level in triathlon and marathons, I didn't run 100 miles a week. First of all, I didn't want to. <laughs> but like, I know the more you run, the faster you go, the better you are. It's, it's very simple. But the more you run, the more miles you log, the more likely you are to get hurt. So you got to find that line. And you have to know what you're willing to risk. That's the truth. You know, so many people just pound their chest and go, oh, no, you don't know. Yeah, I do. But know the science. So the science is mixed. The answer is it's mixed with the weight belts. We need to do way more research, I would argue, into it. But if you, if my son, who, you know, the 16-year-old started, he's not lifting super heavy yet. I would make darn sure, first and foremost, his form is great, that he's using weight that he could manage well. And then we're not talking 80, 90% of one rep max. We're talking like 50, 60, 70. Multiple repetitions, great form. And I'll leave you with this. I like to quit at what? I did a show on muscular versus technical failure. Once my form goes, I'm out. And I'll lift super heavy. But once your form goes and you're lifting heavy, problems happen, especially when it comes to your lower back. So if you're using a belt now and you're successful with it and your pain, you know, you're good, awesome. But again, the problem with the lower back is that it takes a while for many of the chronic issues to rear their ugly head. So be smart. And again, I wish I could give you a more definitive answer, but that's the research. And how fun is it to look at all the different groups they looked at? And you see, listen, I watched one video. I know I said, I'll end with this. This is what I will truly end with. <laughs> I watched one video. This is really great. Guy was saying, absolutely, the research showed that, uh, I'm not gonna throw it out. You wouldn't. Anyway, he, real quickly on the screen, it flashed three studies. So he had done like screenshots and so, you know, in the post-production, they flashed these and I three studies. And I did a screen grab quickly because I wanted to see the studies. And then, you know, I blew it up afterwards. Two of the studies were the same study. That's not a huge deal, but like he didn't even have three studies. He had two studies. And the studies did not say what he led you to believe they said. All right. This is so typical of fitness. It depends. We don't know. Be smart. Know the risks. Use your head. And if you're willing to risk it and you're competing, then you know. And the study, the science kind of shows probably better to use one than not when you're doing everything else correct. There you go. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> 
Tom H. Fit is Instagram. Tom H. Fit is Twitter. Reach out, questions, comments. I know many of you are just finding the show back from Fitness Disrupted. So anything you can do, those of you who are, you know, uh, listening now to support is greatly appreciated the new feed. Um, so like it, subscribe, comment, whatever you can do uh, to support it. Again, greatly appreciated. You can go to fitnessdisrupted.com. Also email me through the site, teamholland.com is the same site. And thank you. I love what I do. I'm going to continue to bring you the best information so you can make the best decisions with your life. My bias is that I want to live as long as possible and as well as possible with those years. I want to die young as late as possible. <laughs> that's the goal, right? And that's my goal for you. And I, again, like if it makes me better, I'm going to do it. That's it. And we're going to look at the science. We're going to break it down. All right. All right. Going to leave you with Jack Lane. The one I looked up to so much, got to interview him for a full hour on a radio show many years ago and found these clips put them back together and I'm going to leave you with that. All right. So remember there's three things we all control, how much we move, what we put into our mouths and our state of mind. And that is awesome. I'm Tom Holland, exercise physiologist, certified sports nutritionist. Believe in yourself. I want to tell you how fortunate you are to have someone like Tom just trying to help you to have a better life.